Good morning. So thankful that you're here today. And, you know, 74 years ago, God moved a group of people from First Baptist Sperry to start this church. And I, and I love that. I love it that the Lord began a work here. And what God did from the very beginning was plant a group of believers that then injected themselves. God injected his voice, his, his people into this community, into this city. And, and you know, 74 years later, times have changed and our nation has changed and technology's influenced so many things. And, but yet the call remains the same that we are called to serve the Lord in this place like a city that's on a hill that can't be hidden. We are called to be witnesses to, to this generation. And, 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 and it's, it's amazing that God has entrusted us with these days and put us here in these times. And God is at work in our lives, in our church. And, and, and if you've not been with us for the last, for, for this calendar year, I want to just take us back and, and remind us what the Lord has been teaching us since we started 2021. Okay? As we started this year, remember we, we began with our gospel challenge. And every year, as a congregation, we have a, a challenge that's centered around the gospel. And in this year, our gospel challenge has been to build a missionary mindset right here and right now. Remember, we looked at the book of Colossians. And Epaphras was this missionary to his own people in Colossae. And, and we, we unpacked that book of Colossians as we processed Epaphras living as a missionary uh, during the time and during his, the place that he loved, he called home. And, and, and we remembered that, look, we're called to be a missionary right here, right now. And we're to build this missionary mindset as we serve the Lord, as we walk with the Lord. And then we, we turned our face to Easter for a period of time, and, and uh, we went halfway through the book of Colossians, looked at Easter, at the, at the resurrection of Christ, and then we went back to Colossians. And, and we talked about at the end of Colossians about we're learning how to act in, in the midst of outsiders, learning how to walk with the Lord uh, in a among people, among a, a nation that doesn't know the Lord. Many don't know the Lord in our nation. Then we turn to this doctrinal study. If you remember, uh, in May, we finished Colossians, and we looked at this doctrinal study on, on, on the doctrine of humanity. That's a very important doctrine to understand, that God made man in his own image. And, and we looked at this, at this doctrinal truth and unpacked it for four weeks. And then as we finished that, we turned our face to 1 Corinthians 13. If you have, if you have your Bibles, that's where we are today, 1 Corinthians 13. And, 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 and you know, this, this summer, one of the things we've, we've been working on and, and allowing the Lord to, to lead us is, is what it looks like to love people to love one another. You know, now we articulate our purpose statement like this. I mean, for 74 years, God has put a church here. To, to serve others. We articulated today that, that we are here to love all people to Christ. Misael talked about that on the video. We're, we're to love all people to Christ. We're not going to argue people into the kingdom of God. We're not going to argue people to, or, or manipulate people to think like we think. No, no, but we can love people. We are called to love people to Christ. 
then we're called to equip one another on our journey with God. One of the things that I pray for us as a church that we're growing up spiritually. We're growing up in our walk with the Lord. We're equipped in our relationship with God. We're, our, we're equipped in our relationship with one another. We need one another. You know, we need each other. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, um, uh, you know, we, we, we need to walk together. We need to know one another. We need to walk with one another. In the summer, we're, we're, we're processing 1 Corinthians 13 because, we, you know, this is a famous passage of Scripture that's often used in weddings, and I've done this over and over again at weddings. And, and, and that's a good application. It's a good verse to use at weddings. It's not inappropriate to do that. But, but when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote it to a church. It's to a group of people that are called to serve the Lord in Corinth. And Corinth was a rough place. Corinth was a place that was ungodly, and, and here's what was happening in this young church. These, these people are coming to faith in Christ that were Gentiles, and, and the Jewish people were like, wow, God's spirit was moving among the Gentiles, and they had these practices that they had to grow from, and they had to learn to stop doing, and, and, and there was a lot of tension in the, in, the, in, in the city of Corinth among the believers in Corinthian, the Corinthian believers. And they were having to work hard at loving each other and loving the world that they were in. And I'll tell you, we're in the same boat. We've got to figure out how to love, love the world that we're in, love people in the world that we are in. And this is very important as we prepare to be missionaries right here, right now. This is a call we have. And, and we need to process what it means to love others. We need to... Um, We need to recognize, look at our sphere of influence because what has God done in the life of our church? From the very beginning, he has put us in this city to be an influence in this place. And I love what God is doing in our church. We have, um, uh, God is deploying us and sending us to all aspects of our city, our society, our culture. But, But here's the thing, we don't feel our way into loving people. We don't feel our way into that. We have to act our way into that. We have to decide to, to love people. Love is an action. Love is a decision that we make. And, and this summer, one of the things I'm praying is that God grows us to understand how to love people. And, and, and you know, here's, here's what's amazing. When, you, when I study the Bible, it's amazing to consider how often the Bible moves us and, and, and challenges us to show respect to one another. Isn't it interesting how, how we're moved to really honor some honor other people, honor, honor, some, honor people we don't agree with. The God, God moves us over and over again in Scripture to, to love everyone. Now that means our spouse. That means our kids. Those are somewhat easy to love for the most part, right? Um, we're, we're to love our parents. We're to love people at work. We're to show that love to people at work. We're to love people we don't even know. All through the scriptures, we're moved to do this, to love people we don't even know. We're to love Republicans, Democrats, Independents. Now you're like, okay, Chris, you're getting a little... You're getting a little personal now. That's right. 
We're to love, think about this, we're to love atheists. We're to love people who have different views than we have. We're to love people who live different lives than we live. We're to, live, we're to love people of different races. We're to love people of different religions. Goodness, we're, we're supposed to love IRS agents. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we are. You know what? I, this is what I experienced this week. We're to love people who root for the different kind of football team. Right? How many of you have no idea who that is? You have no idea who that is. Okay, well, I was walking from the beach this week, and this dude was walking out, and I was walking with Maggie and Emily, and he goes, how are you doing? That's right. He's the LSU football coach. Patrick and Cheryl, I, I want you all to know I was nice to him, okay? I did not look at him and go, go Sooners. You know, I didn't do that. Though I wanted to, I thought about it. I was nice to him. That's the head coach at LSU. And I was like, hey, man, he looks pretty good with his shirt off. But, um, um, but I was like, man, can I take your pic- have a picture made with you? Because I'm a pastor from Oklahoma, and it'll be a great illustration someday. <laughs> so I had to work that in this week. I mean, golly, go on. Um, but, but let's think about this. How we show respect towards others, it reveals who we are on the inside, doesn't it? It also reveals um, your relationship with God. So it's interesting. As you think about the Scriptures, all through the Scriptures, we're moved to to have respect for others. Peter. Peter's uh, an interesting disciple. He's not my favorite disciple. My favorite disciple is John because John never left Jesus. But Peter's pretty cool. Peter was the disciple that was just a, a natural jerk, right? That's Peter. And, and it was Peter that was perfect to tell us in 1 Peter 3. You know this verse, right? It says, um, uh, in your hearts, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, in your heart... Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Remember what he said? But do this with gentleness and respect. So, so see, all through the Scriptures, even, even the biggest jerk of a disciple, right, learned. Look, I have a natural Peter. I have a natural tendency to, to, to lash out and to be a, a jerk. But, but look, I've got to learn to give an answer for the hope that I have with gentleness and respect. That's a call that we have. That's a responsibility we have. As Christ followers, we possess the nature of God. And, and you know, I say this all the time, that, that they're, I'm not preaching at you. I'm with you here. Because there have been times in my own life, even recently, where I, where I didn't represent Christ like I needed to because of res- disrespect that came out of my mouth. But, but how we treat others, it reveals a lot. So, so we're in this 
slow look at 1 Corinthians 13, so stand with me and let's read God's Word today. And we're going to read through the very first part of verse 5, starting in verse 1. And let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not, is not boastful. It is not arrogant. Verse 5, is not rude. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now let's, let's think about this. Let's process this. We, we've kind of been walking through a step at a time, 1 Corinthians 13. And let's notice the beginning of verse 5. Love is not rude. What a simple an important concept. That loving, when you, when you walk with the Lord, when you love people, you're not rude. Let's process this a little bit this morning. The heart of not being rude as a believer is, is really, I think, point one helps us, and it's this, that, that as believers in Christ, we need to develop a God view of people. And this is important for us to have a, a God view of people. And over the last several months, we, we've processed this a little bit. And, and, and that every person we encounter, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, they have been made in the image of God. The, we, Psalm 8, 5, and 6 is one of those passages that reminds us, the psalmist writes, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. This is one of those, those psalmists says that, that mankind was made in the image of God. And, and when, when you think of the creation of, of the world, it's only humanity that is made in the likeness of God. We saw this. And we understood, we processed Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, which is a, a book you ought to have in your library, where he says that man in God's image means that man is like God. Man represents God. In Genesis 1.26, that image and that likeness, we, we understand this to be that God did not make us identical, but he made us similar to him. And when God sees people, he doesn't just see us as a, another level up from apes or something like that. Man, God made man uniquely. And he created humans in his, in his image. And what's interesting is we look at the world we're in. You see in every culture, at every time in the history of the world, this distinctions that these distinctions that develop that that someone would say you know that person is unworthy or that person is you know not as important but but every person is to be treated with respect every person and it's interesting if you notice and we you you just have to do a little bit of history 
to recognize in every culture there's this need for um, these beliefs that develop that, that some people in a culture will see themselves as more valuable than somebody else. And all through history, you see prejudice and bigotry. You see injustice. You see these social status that develop. Like so one of my friends who's a missionary to India and the caste system and all those things that uh, it seems that people in all cultures have somebody that they want to look down upon. As a follower of Christ, that's not an option for us. We see every person is created in, the image, in God's image, and, and, and we should treat them like it. You see that this is just what God expects of his children. And, and even in Matthew 25, Jesus is, said something very important to us, that we're to, not, we're to not see people of different values. He said in Matthew 25, verse 35, he says, look, for when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37 in Matthew 25, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So all through the scripture, you see over and over again that God moves us to treat others with respect. And not be rude, be helpful. And and we need to see people like God sees people. And and when I do, when I see people like God sees people, you know what I find in my own heart? I'm not rude. I'm less rude. Maybe that's better because I still sometimes battle this. Look back at verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 13. Let's let's understand this. We've, We've been walking through this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant. And then verse 5, love is not rude. Point two is straightforward here. The, the, the way you treat other people, that reveals who you are, doesn't it? Have you noticed that, that when you... The way you treat somebody else, it, it really is a mirror to what you're like. And sometimes it's hard to look in that mirror. But, but you know what it reveals? Let's think about the way we treat others. That reveals your love for God. The Bible's clear on this. 1 John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And, and Christians are moved to possess. We possess the nature of God. This is what God does when he saves you. He comes into your life and he gives you a new nature. He grows you. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I can recognize in my heart sometimes the moments that I, I don't reflect Christ. You know, th- this morning I, I put a picture on Instagram that I was sent today. Uh, it was of the ambassadors. That's the baseball team that we started uh, several uh, years ago in 2008, and our guys are in West Palm Beach, Florida right now, and they had a game last night, and it was a tough game. They're in this really tough tournament, and, and they were playing this baseball game last night, 
And this morning I texted a picture because they were on the beach doing a sunrise worship service. It was super cool. And, uh, but last night, they were in this game, and these guys were punks, man. They were just mouthing off again. I think I, it's a, baseball players do that sometimes, right? Um, but, but they were mouthing off, and our guys were getting frustrated. Our coach gathered them together and said, boys, look, I know they're being punks today. But we got to, let's keep the goal in mind. Let's, let's beat them. But let's remember we're, to share the, we're going to share the gospel with them after this game. Because after every game, our guys share the gospel with, the, with their opponents. And so they were biting their lip as those guys were mouthing off. And dadgummit, we lost the game last night. I'd love to win, but it's probably better because I probably would have just said, take that, punks, you know. See, God loves us. We beat your rear, you know, but... I don't know, maybe God doesn't care about who won the baseball game. But, but our guys, I was proud of them. They weren't rude. They walked out on the baseball field last night. They were mad, they were frustrated, but they, they put that aside. And they gathered around the team. They said, can, can we talk to you? And they pointed them to Jesus. And, and you know, the truth is, um, I'm glad that our ambassador baseball team last night said, look, we're going we're gonna to see these, we're going to have a God view of this baseball team and recognize they're just guys that need the Lord like we needed the Lord. And I'll tell you, it, it caused them not to be rude. And and, and I think it makes a difference because the way you treat others, it reveals your love for the Lord. But do you know what else it reveals? It reveals your maturity. The way you treat others reveals how mature you are. Luke 6, Luke was the, a doctor and he, he uh, was interviewing all these people about Jesus. And, and he, he wrote down what Jesus said in Luke 6. And in Luke 6, 27, uh, Luke writes that this came from the lips of Jesus. And he says to them, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Man, that's tough to do, isn't it? It's tough to love our enemies. It's tough to do good to those who hate you. He goes on in verse 28, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This is what Jesus calls us to do. That's what he tells his disciples to do. Verse 35 in Luke 6. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. I love this that Jesus said this, because he is kind, and ungr- he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Isn't that amazing that God is kind to the ungrateful? He's kind to the wicked? Now, sometimes we, like this week in my quiet time, I, my wife and I are going through the one-year Bible in separate kind of plans. But, but we were kind of both in, we were talking about Ahab in the Old Testament. And, and I, I was blown away that God was gracious even to Ahab. Now, God punished Ahab because of his rebellion. But if you look at his life, there were times that God was gracious to Ahab. He didn't deserve God's grace. But neither do I. Neither do you. And this is why God moves us to, like in Luke 6, 38, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. 
And that God moves us as we walk with the Lord not to be rude, but to be merciful with people, to be kind to people. And you know what? Here's the deal. There's no greater joy for the Lord than to to see his characteristics being fleshed out in our lives. And this is why God moves us to put his word into practice because when we act like him, we honor him. And let me tell you something. When, When God moves us to understand how to love a world that is growing in more and more opposition to what the word of God says, that's the world we are living in, folks. We are, grow, we are living in a world that is growing more and more in opposition to the Word of God. And I'll tell you, this is a call we have to put God's Word into practice and not to be rude. And I want to ask you, how, how do you treat people? How do you treat a waiter, waiter or a waitress? How do you treat somebody that's clean in your hotel room or, or how do you treat somebody at work that's mad at you or that has undermined you? Man, you gotta write this down. This is, a, this is worth writing down. Kindness, courtesy, respect, and restraint honors the Lord and builds spiritual growth. Let's think about this. I'm going to leave it up on the screen for a little bit. Kindness. It grows, your, it grows you spiritually. When you, are, when you choose to be kind, it grows, grows you. When you choose to be courteous, that grows you spiritually. When you choose to be respectful, that, that, that produces some spiritual growth in you. When you choose restraint... Let me tell you something. It's good to have restraint. You know, if you look at the Christian Twitter world, you would think, man, we are overlooking this in a big way. We've got to learn to be, to grow up spiritually and to, 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 and restraint is it, the way you treat others. It reveals your love for the Lord. It reveals your maturity. Look back at 1 Corinthians 13. Let's think about it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude. And this is a call we have. This is a responsibility we have not to be rude. So point three makes a little sense to me, and it's one that I'm learning, is is that we need to learn to be tactful, right? Shouldn't we learn to be tactful? What's tactfulness? It's saying the right thing at the right time. There's a way that we speak that will either enhance our witness or it will ruin our witness. And, and so tactfulness, saying, choosing to say, the, choose to say the right thing at the right time. Yeah, man, I'll be honest with you. This, this morning, I was cracking up at myself. Because I am, there's a relationship that I have in my life with a lost guy. And um, he's in my life. And um, I am rebuilding. Um, I have to rebuild something because there was a moment I wasn't tactful with him. 
He knows I'm a pastor. It's not, it's obvious. He knows what I do. And there was a moment I, I just, uh, I was not tactful. And the other day I was uh, working on something and I broke his ashtray. <laughs> and um, I felt bad about it. I didn't mean to do it. But this morning I was on Amazon looking for ashtrays. And I'm trying to find a really cool ashtray for this guy. And they're, some of them are kind of expensive, and it's probably going to cost me a little bit. I've got to buy a stinking ashtray because I'm rebuilding a relationship. And, and I need to rebuild it. And so I, when, when, I, when we were, I was messing with the sermon and wrestling through the sermon, man, I need to grow in my art of, art of tact. Tact is an art. We've got to learn to be tactful. And as a believer, I, I don't agree with this guy in many levels. Uh, and and there, are, there are times we both offended each other. But, but the truth is, I've got to rebuild I've got to be, be more tactful with him. You know, Proverbs 15, 23 says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season how good it is. Proverbs 15, 4, kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Our willingness to be tactful will either, will either enhance our witness or it will ruin our witness. And God calls us not to be rude. I, I looked up some definitions of tact, and this is what I found. I thought these were kind of funny. Tact is the ability to make a point without making an enemy. That's tact. Tact is when somebody tells you to go jump off a cliff in such a way that makes you look forward to the experience. <laughs> tact is treating everybody as if they knew what they were talking about when they obviously don't know what they're talking about. Tact is the art of telling somebody he's open-minded when he really just has a hole in his head. Those are silly, but tact is changing the subject without changing your mind. And, and one of my pastor friends articulated these questions that I thought was really, were really good, and, and it's really been something I've meditated on, especially with this relationship. That I have that I'm rebuilding. Before we're frank with anybody, we need to stop and Chris, check your heart here. What's your motive here? And all through the scriptures, we are moved to evaluate our own hearts as believers. And that's what I see here. That, that when, I, when I am not rude, what am I learning to do? I'm, I'm offering respect, and respect is disagreeing with somebody without being disagreeable. Boy, that's, a, that's an important concept, isn't it? We, we can disagree with somebody without being disagreeable. And I think about this relationship that I have. There, there are many things that I don't, don't agree with in this particular relationship, and I can't go into it, but, but there are many things that I don't agree with. But, you know, the truth is, as a Christian, there are a lot of things that we don't agree with. There are a lot of wrongs that need to be righted. 
There are, there are times when, when we as Christians, we will, we will need and we must make an uncompromised stand. And, and we will have to do that. And as, 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 as I think about even the, the next five to ten years that are in front of us, let me tell you something. There will be stands we will have to take. And, and what we cannot do is change the offensiveness of the gospel. Let me tell you, the Bible's very clear. The gospel is offensive. That the world cannot remain individuals. We cannot stay in sin and be content. There are, there are very clear mandates from Scripture. But let me, let's not forget as we, as we stand for the truth, as we, as we walk with the Lord, as we take clear stands on doctrinal truths and, and, and biblical, um, biblical convictions, we've got to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. And we've got to take stands without being rude. And we've got to learn to do this. And you know what? I'm thankful that all through Scripture, we're moved to this. All through Scripture, we see how to do this. Flip over to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, and, and we don't, I won't break it all down, but let's just, let's just kind of do a big picture of Romans 12, 17 through 21, because it kind of just, His Word, God's Word just helps us understand what to do here. Verse 17 in Romans 12, repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And this is clear. Don't repay evil for evil. I love this. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all people. We're to give thought to these things. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with what? What does it say? All. As far as it depends on you to live peaceable with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that important? Don't we want to take vengeance for ourselves? Don't we want to have the attitude of, hey, God's going to get you and he's going to use me to do it to right now? You know? But vengeance is mine, God says. Leave that to the Lord. Leave the payback to the Lord. Verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Do you see this pattern in Scripture? Jesus said these things. Paul says these things. We see this over and over again. If, you're, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, all of us get to that point and we go, yeah, I like that. Yeah, burn these coals. I'm going to be nice to you. Burn, punk, you know. No, that's not the heart of that. That's not the heart of it at all. It shows that, that, that look, even our kindness can be offensive. But look at verse 21. Don't miss verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And see, when I look at the next five to ten years, and I look at what's developing culturally, and, and, and sometimes you think, man, there's, I don't know how we can stop what's coming our way. Well, and then I scratch my head and go, 
okay, well, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when I look at our call as a church, look, we can't be rude. And if I can just say to me and you and and all of us in our body, let's stop being rude. Because many of us are ruining our witness by being rude to others. And God simply says, hey, stop doing that. Stop doing that. You know what's amazing about about that? Some of us are like, man, Chris, I'm, I'm convicted today. Me too. I need to change some things today. Me too. That's probably how you know you're in the right church. I mean, if you go to church and you're not convicted, you might want to pay attention to that. Ask yourself what, you, what kind of church you're going to, right? Because I read my Bible and I'm often, I'm rarely comfortable when I read my Bible. And, and, and it's a reminder that God doesn't call us to comfort. God doesn't call us to easy. I mean, come on. We're called to be missionaries where we live. And we're called to overcome evil with good. And right there it says we can. shows that we can. So I don't look at the next five to ten years with trepidation or fear or, or oh, no, or lament. I look at it going, let's figure this out. Let's overcome this evil that is in front of us with good. And that's a call we have. And there's an old saying, and it's, I don't know who came up with it, but, it's, but you've heard it. It says, on essentials there must be unity. On non-essentials there must be liberty. On all things there must be charity. That's a that's a incredibly wise statement. Charity, that's love. On all things there must be love. And, and respect. And not being rude is understanding what hill do we die on. There's some hills that we should die on. But I'll tell you, we should, it, we should even when we're dying on a hill, it doesn't give us the freedom to be rude or disrespectful. And, 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 you know, the truth is, every one of us in this room, we've been forgiven much. You know, I'm so grateful for Steve, one of my big ameners. Give me one, Steve. Amen. Right there. See, I love that. I love that. You know what? You know what you need to know? Yesterday, his bride, his bride went to heaven this week. And we stood and honored her race that she ran. You know what we said about Steve and Melody? Melody went to heaven this week. Her funeral was yesterday. And you know what we said about her and about Steve? Is that they got saved and never got over it. 
You know what? On a day that our brother is grieving and we're grieving, Steve's still never gotten over salvation. And you know what? There's a lot to learn there. Some of us have gotten over being forgiven. And some of us have have allowed anger and rudeness to drive us. And today, we've got to hear the Lord. We've got to remember that God has been gracious to us. I am so thankful that I got to be Melody Kinnaman's pastor and rub shoulders with a lady that made a lot of mistakes as a young woman that went to jail, got saved, and never got over it. Do you remember when you were saved? Some of you may be here and go, I don't remember a time like that. Do you know that you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take? I want everybody to do this. Take a deep breath right now. Ready? Doesn't that feel good? Do you know that you need Jesus more than you need that breath? Because you know what? The truth is, all of us are going to walk through that door. All of us. Man, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, God's grace is greater than your mistakes, your sin, your failures. And if you'll come to Jesus, he won't turn you away. Now, many of you have come to that point. but you've forgotten. You've forgotten the joy of forgiveness. And and can I just call you back to repentance, to a realization of God's grace in your life? Some of you, like me, have blown it in a witness. You know, I'm so thankful for 1 John 1 9. You know what 1 John 1 9 says? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Let's all clap for that. I'm going to ask Amber to come, and Brandon, if you'll come up. We need to respond today. And if you need Jesus, I'm going to be down front. But I've asked Amber to come and kind of lead us through this response time because this is a very important week for our church.
So Amber, would you just kind of close us today? Sure. So I had the opportunity um, in first service to sit in your seat and hear Chris's message um, as he talked about what love is and what love isn't and how we use that as we come and go in our spheres of influence and how we point others to Jesus. So last year when COVID, COVID might have taken a lot, but it also gave us quite a bit too. One of the things that it gave us was a new vision for uh, kids ministry. And so for many years, we've done vacation Bible school. I love vacation Bible school. Um, it's powerful. It, it changes lives. My husband got saved at vacation Bible school. But in COVID, the Lord just began to kind of shift our focus to do something a little bit different. And that's where influence was born. And influence is a very intentional opportunity where we get to put leaders in place who love things like sports and art and STEM and drama and music. And they get to lead these kids to show them that God wired them the way he wired them on purpose, that God gave them this, these gifts and these passions not to make more of themselves, but to make more of him. And so what we want to intentionally pour into these kids is that they might grow their skill, that they might uh, become better at that, but that they might also see that this is the platform that God has given them to share him with others. Mm. So this coming week, Monday through Thursday, our kids come in and they get to be part of these different tracks and things that they love in their wheelhouse. We get to come together to do worship and then they get to watch drama and then hear the gospel. And so what we're asking you today as this invitation time has come, is what might be your part? What influence can you have? And oftentimes we say, well, the best I can, or the, we'll just say, well, the most I can do is pray. But what we don't realize is that the best, the best we can do is pray. And so what we're asking is that you would consider as we're praying in an invitation time, that maybe God might have you commit this week to pick up just one of these bracelets, just has a first name, God knows the last name, and to be praying over that person specifically every day this week, their names of kids, names of volunteers, if they don't know him, that they would come to know him. And that if they do, that the, the light bulb would come on of how they can use who they are and what they have to share Jesus and to make more of him. So would you pray with me as we begin to just pray over this week that God has? So Lord Jesus, you are holy. You are righteous. You are king of all kings. You are faithful. You are peace. We can trust you. And we just take a moment to confess at the times that we have thought or felt or done like we know better than you. God, we're sorry. When we've put other things and other people before you, God, we, we lay that down at your feet. And we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And we thank you that we have this opportunity to pray and to talk to a holy God and to, to come before your throne and beg for your intervention in the lives of this rising generation. And beg for your intervention, God, in a week that might feel like it's just another program. But God, we are expecting big things from a very big God. So Lord, would you just tap on our hearts today? Lord, if we're supposed to pick up one of these bracelets and be intentional to pray that we would do that.
God, if there's a conversation that we're supposed to have at work to push someone towards you, we would do that. God, if we're supposed to use our sphere of influence at a specific time this week, that God, we would always honor you. Our eyes would be on you. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.